Josie Smith joins me on episode 71. Josie is an Australian who has a one-man band act with the harmonica pivotal to the sound. He has had over 200 million views of his online videos, starting out when a passerby recorded him busking at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Josie started his one-man band after playing as the heart player in a blues band and then teaching guitar and harmonica. This gave him a great foundation to lay down the rhythms for his cell-penned laid-back bluesy folk. He plays up to six instruments at a time, including percussion juggling bowls. Josie has been a regular at music festivals around the world and has produced his own music and video content in his home in Ocean Shore. This podcast is sponsored by Zydel Harmonicas. Visit the oldest harmonica factory in the world at www.zydel1847.com or on Facebook or Instagram at Zydel Harmonicas. Hello, Josie Smith, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, good to be here. So you're talking to us from uh, Australia, Eastern Australia? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, great. So you're in a place called Byron Bay, is that right? Yeah, it's just a bit north of Byron Bay, a little town called Ocean Shores. So a little coastal town, but yeah, it's a beautiful spot. Sounds beautiful with a name like Ocean Shores, and probably reflects your approach to, to life and music, which we'll, we'll get into. So... Um, you know, so what's what's the music scene like in Australia and around where you are? I think you're near Brisbane, aren't you? So is there, is there a good music scene around there? Yeah, we're about an hour and a half south of Brisbane. Yeah, and there's a lot of talent in this, this town here. It seems to just bring a lot of artistic people in all different walks of life. And yeah, it's very inspiring, that's for sure. So you're a one-man band. You've had a lot of success on social media, haven't you? You've had 200 million views on, on social media. and Is that one of the ways you've managed to you know, kind of launch yourself? Yeah, I think it was very rootsy my whole career because I started street performing, busking um, when my daughter was born, and that was like 19 years ago. I just went out there as a one-man band because I figured I was coordinated. I could make a beat while playing guitar, and I strapped a rack around my neck. Back in those days, I put a green bullet mic. It was so heavy. <laughs> but I just wanted that dirty sound. I'd never seen anyone put a microphone on their thing so you could play guitar and sing. And yeah, just with traveling and all the playing I've done on the streets, all the people that capture the videos and just it's been quite amazing watching how they do spread like they do. Yeah, like one video I think had 80 million views just in itself. It's crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, so you managed to, to use that much to your advantage. Like you say, you were busking to begin with. I read somewhere that you were busking at a festival. They then sort of signed you up to play the, the next year. Was that kind of one of your first gigs or were you gigging as your one-man band before then? Um, I started out playing lots of markets and doing the street performing. And then, yeah, sometimes I go to festivals and I didn't apply to be in it, but I just said, oh, can I sit up on a corner and just do what I do, street performing? And, and yeah, this Broad Beach Blues Festival, I remember they just loved my show so much. They just said, oh, you're back on the stage next year. And I was there every year for the next 10 years. <laughs> and so obviously you made your name in Australia, but you have certainly travelled abroad now. I know you've been to the Edinburgh Festival, yeah, amongst other places. Yeah, Edinburgh was amazing. Just went there once for the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. 
it was really quite an amazing experience because you play for 30 days straight. I think I had one day off. Edinburgh weather is not the best weather. <laughs> I think it rained about 22 days out of the 30. Yeah. And it was just so good because there's so many amazing performers and I just – they had a rule that you couldn't play through an amplifier like bigger than your hand. So I had these tiny little micro cube amps, just one for my harmonica and one for my guitar, my lap slide guitar. That's the only guitar I brought because I just had troubles trying to bring everything on an airplane. So it was very minimal. And that was actually where the video went viral. The one that had 80 million views was busking on the street in Edinburgh and someone filmed it. Fantastic, yeah. So great stuff. And have you played in many other countries since then? Uh, I've played lots of countries, yeah. I've been to Canada about six or seven times now and so many places. New Zealand I've played, even played in China, did a festival there. Yeah, I just come back from Germany. I took my son over there. We did a little tour. Obviously, this is a harmonica podcast, so you're a one-man band. I know you play, I think, about six instruments, don't you, as you're performing? Yeah, well, I've got different guitars, which I like, depending on the song. I have a cigar box guitar, which is very acoustic, but also punchy sort of sound. And then I've got a normal little small body acoustic guitar or electric guitar, depends. I might either take one of those when I go traveling. And then I've got my lap slide guitar, which is a sort of beautiful, smooth uh, electric sound, or it can be a really dirty, bluesy, grunty sort of sound, depending on the song. So as well as the guitars, then, what you're playing, percussion, uh, singing? Yeah, so my feet, they're like my rhythm section. So my left foot controls the beats. So I'm sitting on a box drum, a cajon. guy in Melbourne here makes these ones that I really like because they're kick pedals on the outside, and it's called a woodskin. And it's also got a pedal for the right if you want to have that snare sound. On my right foot, I made my own little shaker thing, which gives us sort of that clap sound and sounds so good when you mic it up. And I also have a tambourine for that brighter sound, depending on the song. So what, what were the first instruments you learned? Yeah, I remember when I was 13. I wasn't really into music, but I was watching television and a television commercial came on. It was a Jeans West or Just Jeans ad. I can't remember, but it went... We got half price jeans, and it was the harmonica, the sound that I was listening to, and I went, wow. I just fell in love with that sound, and pretty much the next day I went to a music shop and asked for a harmonica, and I got a Kia C, and it was, I think I still got that harmonica. Yeah, it just changed my life, and my brother was playing guitar, so he taught me a few chords on guitar. I kept learning. From the beginning, were you playing harmonica on a rat with guitar? No, that came later. I just learned harmonica just from, I think it was like a book that came with a cassette back in those days, and it just taught you little melodies, and then it had a little blues section at the end. And then I was learning guitar. My brother was teaching me ACDC and songs like that, three-chord powerful songs, and it was so much fun. It wasn't until later that I got a rack for the harmonica and worked out how to play harmonica. I was actually teaching because I started teaching when I was 16. That was my way of making income. So I had 10 students straight away, and I was teaching them guitar and harmonica. I just learned that I could teach them harmonica if I gave them backing. So I'd play the harmonica part that I was teaching, and then they'd um, be able to jam along with the guitar too. That's where I realized I really got good chord because I spent 10 years teaching music. You know, I had to be able to play guitar underlying myself teaching the harmonica. Yeah, so I think that was really a big stepping stone for me being the one-man band that I am today.
great to see, you know, that kind of one-man band thing is really using it on the rack as well. So, so I think before this, uh, you were playing in bands as well, were you, before you started your one-man band? Yeah, I was in bands, and um, I remember when I was 16, my brothers had good friends that had a blues band. They were a lot older. They were, like, in their 30s, but not many people played harmonica. And when they heard about me, they just um, dragged me along to all the venues, snuck me in the back door, and, <laughs> and I had so much fun. Because when I finished school, I, I applied to go to university, but I missed out, so I had a gap year. So I just played with this blues band when I was 17, and just they they'd sneak me in everywhere, of course. But I just learned so much from them because they were just really passionate about playing great blues music. And I just remember the guitar player, Dave Blanken, he would give me heaps of CDs and stuff to listen to. And I just love it because there was so much. He, he, he had like a collection of about 10,000 CDs and it's like, whoa, every blues album you can imagine. So it was like my homework. He'd give me this stuff and I'd go, wow. And then I'd be back there the next week, we'd be jamming. And I just remember playing so much harmonica, gosh, that my lips would bleed sometimes at the gigs. <laughs> Who you listen to in the harmonica at this point, your influences? It's a funny thing because I listen to so much harmonica. I like to listen to other things to inspire me for harmonica lines, like trumpet players, any like good melody, and I try and find that on the harmonica and just get a different feel. If you hear the way a trumpet plays, it just has a different tone and you can sort of get these tones if you shape your mouth in ways and do your breathing in a different way. Yeah, the last uh, episode I did was uh, with Ricky Cool, and, and he's done this great series of videos called Mississippi Saxophone, where he looks at saxophone solos and, and playing those on harmonica for exactly the reason you've said, you know, to kind of give you the, the new ideas and the different approach to how you play the harmonica. He did include one trumpet uh, solo, uh, Lee Morgan solo. But at this stage, you're playing with the but these blues bands. You, you were you were the harmonica player, yeah. You you weren't playing guitar, not singing. Uh, no, I was just playing harmonica in this this blues band, yeah. And they had a saxophone player too, so we I had to learn how to play horn lines with a saxophone. It was cool because you could treat the harmonica like a horn. The sax would be doing the horn line, then I'd be playing the same notes or similar. And just it was so cool because you could get such a big sound. And then you could also do your harmonica solos and you can make the key sounds. So you could pretend to be like a keyboard just playing like the octaves in the background. Yeah, really fun to be in that band. The, the saxophone and harmonica actually sounds really good together, doesn't it? Yeah, and you can do call and responses. So great. Same as guitar, you know, the harmonica and guitar call response. So fun and that's another thing i learned a lot like you hear guitar players and you learn the way they do phrases is quite different to a harmonica player so it's, it's really nice to be able to be a good, good guitarist as well and then be able to find all those in between notes and go wow and a lot of bending to get the precision of the notes that you're looking for so you played in a band a few years and then so what made you decide to to start the one-man band um so i went to uni uh, and i did a music course which went for four years up at Lismore, so that's just near where I live now. That's what brought me up to the area I am today. And I was still playing lots of blues bands then, but then I became a father and I went, wow, you know, okay, you can make $150, $200 a night. That's not really much to keep a family going. You know, you have to do a lot of gigs. And then I just went, I'll just go busking and I'll just, I'll get a suitcase, put a kick pedal to the suitcase. <laughs> I just was a bit creative and I was just trying to work out ways of making a beat. And I thought a suitcase, you could put everything inside it so you could just carry the suitcase to the markets. And I just remember going to my local market and opening a suitcase, pulling out two little ants. Actually, I had a Dobro guitar, so it didn't need um, miking when I first started busking. I just had a little pig nose. Yeah, you could open up this amp so you could, if it was closed, it was really distorted. And if you open up the back, it made it cleaner. 
but it had one knob on it and that was it. And I just used to plug my bullet mic into that and I'd just play really fun blues. And I got more into sort of listening to things like Moby and how Moby would approach blues as like repetitive sort of grooves and how um, you could just repeat it and then just the 4-4 four, four beat. And I just went, oh, it's so fascinating, you know. It's just, yeah. And it went down so well. Like I remember just the first time I played, I sold 10 CDs, which was like $200 in half an hour. I went, wow. I just ran out, so I had to make 20 CDs the next time and then I played, sold out and the next time I went and then I just kept doing that and before you know it, you're selling 150 CDs a day and it's like, wow, so such good money and it was just so fun. Yeah, fantastic, yeah. I mean, I remember that Moby album you mentioned. He came out, it's, it was Play, wasn't it? I had that album. Yeah, and It was play. very blues-based, wasn't it, with kind of ambient sounds and the mixing and stuff like that. It was a great album, all sort of kind of based on blues, wasn't it? Yeah, so. it was it was amazing for its time, and you could tell like people loved it because I think it was the most sold album in that time. And I was like, wow, people just love that soulful feeling, and yeah. but then they loved that groove. And I just went, oh, well, I'll just do that live on the streets in my own sort of way. That was quite an inspiration for your one man act, was it initially that Moby album? It was, yeah, because I'm not really a traditional blues player because I yeah. think I overdosed on just playing like 12 bar blues and stuff and singing blues because I'm like this skinny white boy that surfs. <laughs> I don't really have the blues, if you know what I mean. But um, I love those guys because they just, the real blues tradition because it just comes with so much feeling and I just love that. But then, you know, to hear this guy just put these blues licks and things into a song and, and just keep it quite simple. Yeah, so, but you weren't trying to put kind of electronic aspects in, though, like as he was. No, not not back then. I, I was more like just making beats with my, you know, my box suitcase, you know, four on the floor with that. So it was really, really rootsy. And that's what was fun. It was like dance music, but with no electronics at all. how you develop that sound you know it sounded like you you started adding in more more instruments and, and more layers to your sound as you as you progressed yeah that's right just over time just because because i did so much street performing like sometimes i play eight, eight hours a day you know and you just have that repetition of doing the same similar things or just just always alternating a little bit and just changing it around and just having fun and just seeing what you can do but I think all that playing just allowed me to, you know, be solid with my guitar playing and then just be able to focus on the melodies and the grooves that I'm doing on the harmonica and bringing in the different rhythms with my feet without really thinking. It's more just your whole body becomes music and you can just feel what you want to do next. And what's the busking scene like over there? You know, you say you were busking in markets and things. Is that obviously the weather's good in Australia is one thing that helps, but uh, it doesn't rain like Edinburgh all the time. But uh, yeah, so is it quite a strong busking scene over there? Yeah, I don't don't do it anymore, but it used to be amazing. Like it was just all I did for nineteen years because I'm I, I don't really stay out late since I became a father, and I, I don't drink either, so I didn't really want to go out. It's late nights and not being a drinker. It's just a different sort of feeling when you're playing in pubs. So I think that was one of my probably the best things ever that happened for me is I decided to wake up at 3 a.m. and, you know, I'd drive three hours to play these amazing markets and spend a weekend like on the Sunshine Coast and play at places like your Monday markets, Caloundra, Redcliffe. And then I'd come home and I'd have the week off so I could just be with the kids. So it was a really beautiful rhythm. But the funny thing was is I'd wake up like at 3 to get there at 6 to set up my own sound system and, you know, to set up for the day. So you start playing it. 7 30 8 a.m sometimes and then finish at about one or two 
and then you'd be finished, you know, jump in the ocean at the end of the day and have a little snooze and then have some dinner and then do it again somewhere. Just, yeah, so it was really, really, really special for me because that type of rhythm allowed me to play a lot but then also have a really lovely um, lifestyle so that I could be with my family and my kids growing up a lot. Were these uh, tourist places where you were going to to play? Yeah, well, Yamundi Markets, that's one of the most famous ones in Australia. Just this little town, it's beautiful, that just draws like 10,000 people. I don't know where they all come from, but it's just it's just such a creative market. It used to be the rule was you had to make it, sew it, or grow it to sell there so it was just everyone made their own stuff and it just had the biggest fig trees that was just so beautiful to set up under so it was just all around just a great environment and crowds wow you played it you just play and you know you'd have two or three hundred people around you and then you stop they move on and the next half now you play you have two or three hundred people around you go wow you're just playing thousands of people it's a great way because that was when cds were popular so that was really good for me because you could make a living really well yeah, you were selling the CDs, and we talked about a lot on here the sort of death of selling CDs. And I take it that's well, you say you don't busk anymore anyway. Yeah, but was it part of the reason because you weren't able to sell as many CDs as streaming came? Because I did so much, I sort of I'm feeling you know as you get older, it's just it takes a bit of toll doing all that playing and setting up. And I just love being in the studio and just seeing just where else I can take music. So these days I do a lot in the studio and I. And I'm sort of like thinking about the world too. I don't want to drive too much. I just want to be a bit conscious of how much fuel I use and just be gentle on the world. I keep the online presence going. I've had a little break from that just recently, but I've always just loved to get inspired and try new things. And just I find music's one of those amazing jobs where you just keep growing and there's so much you can learn that it's just like you always feel like a kid so much fun stuff to do it's just a matter of having the time to do it so i feel really fortunate to be in that position where i can be in my own studio and just try all these things and go wow can't wait to share this (laughs) (laughs) fantastic sound like you're really loving it which is good to hear so one very cool thing you wish you do uh jersey which is you have you've got juggling percussion so i'm also a juggler myself so i'm loving i'm loving this juggling percussion that you do so uh tell us about that oh yeah that's that's um amazing but that's another thing of playing at lots of busking festivals because you meet amazing performers so one of the most amazing things that happened for me is a good friend of mine he was just over today joel salem he invented those chucka chucks so they're shakers they're a juggling ball but they make grooves the latest ones he's created are three different tones so you got like smaller ball bearings in one so it's like more like a well, related to a drum kit so it's more like a snare like like then you got the middle ones, which is more like a hi-hat, like ch So, and then you got the the bigger ball bearings and the low one. That's more like a clap. So you got you got the So you can do all this stuff while you're juggling, but it's like being a drum kit. And it's just for me, oh, I had a dream about doing this when I was a kid. So when I met Joel, he was doing it with just little egg shakers when we first met. And I was like, oh man, we're yeah. just really good friends. And because we're just so passionate about it all, we just yeah always get together and just be creative and just get so inspired talking to each other kind of next stage on from the egg shake you're able to get the like you say these different sounds out of them yeah well the latest one's called pitch benders you can actually push them in and they get 
<laughs> while you're shaking. So it's next level, just creativeness of what you can do. Just And visually, it's, it's just amazing. I remember the first time I took them out, it was just like people just don't know what to think, but it just goes down so well live. I've got to get myself some of these. As I say, I'm a juggler. They're called, they're called Chucka Chucks. Yeah. Are they able to buy them? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just website would be chuckachucks.com. I'll put a link on the website. I'm going to buy some. So a common one is you're holding the yellow one's a mellow one. So I'm holding that one in my index and thumb finger like but I've got the white one, which is a hi-hat sort of one, bouncing on the offbeat while holding the other one. So this is all in my right hand. So you got and then you got your left hand to do the two and four beat, you know, so you got you can have that two, four big. And then you can do all the fancy stuff where you're like, you know, you're bouncing in between each other, throwing it behind your back. And oh. uh, you're playing harmonica on a, on a rack when you do this, of course. Yeah. So that's that's the other thing, like just a repetitive, like cool grooves, like. And then you go. And then you do the breakdowns. So it's all going on inside my body, but it all just comes out. <laughs> and this is um, so fun when it all works and you've got the groove because you have the beat as well with the left foot because that just comes in now and then too, just to add that the pulse to the song. And then you got, if I'm sitting down doing it, I can have the, the two and four happening with my right foot. So there's a fair bit going on. Obviously watch the video of you doing this. Uh, so I'll, I'll put a link onto a video so people can check you out. So uh, we, I could talk about juggling all day, but we'll, we'll move on uh, a little bit. So back to the harmonica, you know, kind of how important is the harmonica to your, you know, what your one man band show? For me, the harmonica is probably my main instrument because I played so much and it just it feels like I'm just breathing. So harmonica is probably the instrument that I'm most comfortable with. That's pretty rare, really, because a lot of people just play harmonica, you know, just add a little bit of extra stuff. But for me, the harmonica, I can just play a harmonica song and, and I know that will just be just such a treat at a show because it's such a great instrument and you can just do so much. I think that's the other thing. I remember playing a show, did a harmonica jam song. This is a long time ago and my friend filmed it. And yeah, it's had a crazy amount of views on YouTube too, like 12 million or something. Pretty wild. And that was just me improvising <laughs> and then and it just came through good. Like I was just playing a low F, um, a Lee Oscar back then. But just all the sounds you just get from a harmonica into just a normal microphone. It's just, it's just really special. Yeah, fantastic. And there's um, one of your live uh, songs, which is a one-man band live. It's a good song where you kind of talk through, you know, how you're kind of layering in and the different instruments you use. But you, in this, you talk about how you, you know, you kind of first started playing the harmonica with the guitar by, you know, a, a four or five head shake. This is the easy part. Playing the harmonica, that's a different story while doing all this at the same time. And the way I, I learned how to do it was... Start really simple. Just suck on two notes and shake your head, and that's enough. And then add everything in one at a time. Sound like this. Yeah, no, that's right. Like, I like to explain what I'm doing because it's really nice to interact with the audience because then they can get to feel everything that you're doing, not just look at you and go, wow, it's pretty hard. But then you actually say, all right, I'm just going to introduce my one-man band. First member, my right hand, sets up the groove. So, And that people get to hear that the right hand by itself just is making a cool groove, you know. And then you say, now it's going to connect to its brother, the left hand. Then you put the melody with it, the little groove. And it's like, cool. And then here comes a beat. Two, three, 
four. And then here comes the two on the four, on the right foot. So it's four members so far. So you talk about not, you know, you're not, you're not playing sort of full on blues all the time, although it's, I mean, it's kind of a bluesy kind of folky, your, your music, you probably describe it. So, you know, what are you playing on the guitar? You're more about laying down kind of rhythms than necessarily playing chord structures, are you? You know, how do you approach that? I play, yeah, just sort of laying down grooves, but it's just more simple chord structures that you can, you know, you can like for slide guitar, for example, you can just strum the whole thing or you can pick it and you can mute it with the right hand so it's more um, softer. There's all sorts of elements that make the song, but it's more dynamics that probably make it work really well. So that's why I like to have different guitars for depending on the different songs because, yeah, sometimes on the Scarbox guitar you might play the bass line with the right hand finger while playing the melody with the left hand and then playing like nice long chords on the harmonica. So it's just got this really nice, beautiful open sound and there'll be delay going on for the notes on the Scarbox guitar. So it just drifts out there. It's really lovely when you play things like that live and people are always fascinated because they go, wow, there's so much going on. You do quite a few instrumentals, don't you? So you, you kind of, you know, with maybe just a few kind of vocal interjections. So you, you got this kind of like, like you say, you know, relaxing melodic music coming out, haven't you? That's the stuff I love to listen to. Is it's quite melodic, beautiful, easy listening sort of tunes, and slide guitar is great for that. Yeah, I do. I do love playing instrumentals and just music with a lot of space. I find it's just like listening, having space just for your ears to relax. And that's really nice in these days where it's so busy. You go out on the highways, wow, so busy everywhere. And then you come home, you just go, wow just going to finger pick this little chord and that's it yeah that's, I, mean, yeah. I mean it's interesting because you know a lot of people who are approaching playing the harmonica in this case is, you know they'll try and play something fast and impressive you know but you've kind of taken this approach of a uh, lay it back and nice and slow and kind of punctuated harmonica riffs without trying to sound too fancy a lot of the time yeah well i learned that I remember my guitar teacher back when i was like 15 14 i think it was Maybe the first time I ever got up on stage, he he was a really good harmonica player as well, my guitar teacher. So I used to have to travel from one side of Canberra because that's where I was brought up, was in Canberra. And he was just so inspiring. But he just taught me music. It's just like you don't have to play all the time. It's just like what you play is so important. Because I remember the first time I played with him, I just shook on holes four and five and just did that for a whole song. It was like the next time he saw me, he said, okay, I'll explain a little bit about how you play but um, I always thought of music as like a conversation you don't want to talk too much but what you say it's got to be you know really connect to people I, I just love playing just what feels right and not overplaying so I'm always aware of that and when you're playing live you play to some audiences you play big audiences you played at festivals you know how do you carry the audience as a one-man band I think you've, you've probably explained that in what you've just said already just in the last few minutes but you know some people might be intimidated as a one-man band um, it works really well for me because I think being a one-man band is so different. The way I sort of introduce myself and build up songs is quite um, unique and uh, interesting. So it just captivates crowds. So you can have them just really there. And I think coming from street performing so much where you've got to pull a crowd from out of nowhere, you learn that actually playing at festivals is quite simple because they're all waiting for you, you know, and you've got this big sound system. It's like, wow, this is the easiest gig in the world. So I think street performing is a great way to learn how to perform to audiences and because people, if you're the best musician in the world, you don't look at the audience, you don't talk to them, they'll just walk away. 
But if you connect with them and, you know, you're just really honest and just be yourself, I think people really love that and it does something special that lets people really connect to you and even connect to themselves more and just be more open. So, so let's talk a little bit through your albums. So I think you've released four albums in total. Is that right? Um, I had a couple earlier albums, yeah, but I just stopped selling them. But yeah, I've had, so maybe seven or something, yeah. So the ones which are available on Spotify, which is what I use to put the tracks on, um, uh, the first one of those is, is Taking Time Out, which is, um, I think, released in, in 2010. So just picking out a few songs on there, you've, you've got La La, which is uh, something you definitely get um, audience participation in, you get them singing in and you get sort of children singing. Is that your own children singing on that song? Yeah, yeah. I remember recording that just in the studio that I'm in at the moment. It was so cute because I, I used to wake up really early before the kids woke up to record like four in the morning and just record yeah. for a couple of hours before they wake up and i remember they came down one time and they said oh and i was working on that song la la and i said ah oh, you, you guys want to sing it's so cute because their headphones were like bigger than their heads you know and it was really sweet to capture their voices well, i'm now a father with a beautiful family when i play my music my children sing with me yeah, they sing la la, la la. Another, another one is uh, the title track, Taking Time Out. So, you know, this is very much in keeping to what, you know, you've got a theme going through and like you say, you want to enjoy life, to slow things down, you know, relax, you know, and appreciate things. And, you know, quite a laid back song in that, in that mood. Yeah, it was fun. I was just playing around with um, keyboard, like and piano chords and just working out a little, just sounds and just jamming around with them. And, yeah, and, and at that time I was like, man, everyone's, you really got to take time out for yourself. Otherwise you're just going to you know, get too run down. And, and then you released an, a live album, uh, the Zamier Theatre in uh, 2012. So yeah, some good harmonica songs in here. One of them called Harmonica Jam. Um, you're kind of whooping and things on this is that sort of showing Sonny Terry influence yeah I used to love Sonny Terry and just the way you do that and how you'd cup and stuff and just make all these cool effects and I used to just experiment and like Roy McLeod how he he did it and yeah they're just so great and just so inspiring so um yeah I just would always add that because it's like a cool thing to build up like harmonica jam is a great song that I use to start off my gigs because I walk out and there's just one microphone there. I stay standing up and I just play harmonica jam because it has this nice slow build up and it just cooks and just warms up the audience so well that you just you've got them for the rest of the gig. Uh, and then you do another one which is the old tricker called harmonica belt where you basically just play different diatonic to change the key through. <laughs> That's funny, gosh. I just think I had all these harmonicas and um, people would always ask me about the different harmonicas and I just, I figured it'd be cool to show everyone how they all sound in one song. So the lower ones to the left and as I go through all my harmonicas, they get go up in key, so you got your highest. So there's eight harmonicas there. So I'd start on like cruisy groove and then just every time I change, I'd get the tempo that little bit. That's a huge winner when you play gigs, but geez, it's a huge head spin as well. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's an interesting, uh, quite a simple but interesting trick where, you know, you just change the key of harmonica. People go, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's obviously been done in other in other songs as well. But, you know, it's a great idea sort of, uh, to sort of showcase the harmonica, isn't it? Yeah, and you change the styles for different harmonicas. Like I think when I get to the C, I play more country stuff, but it's all cross harps mm. still. Yeah. So the keys are changing nicely. Yeah, and at the end, you're just going as fast as you possibly can. So it's like it starts off really low and cruisy and cool. And by the end, you're just cooking with the hoots and everything in there as well. So it's, yeah, it's a workout. And then uh, your next studio album, Rise and Shine, 2015. So this is um, progressing on with this idea of kind of having these blues beats, you know, over a nice groove. Yeah, and... I play a little melody on my harmonica. You recorded this in your home studio again, yeah? Oh, I did, yeah, yeah. I did them all actually, but except for the live one, that was just mixed down at a friend's place. And so, and you've got um, "Keep Life Simple" on here, which is a beatbox harmonica. Yeah, that's right. That's been a really popular song, that one. Just really, it's used a lot, reels. And I think it's just because of the theme, Keep Life Simple. It just, people love it for, you know, the simple things that they do in life. So what about, you know, the beatbox and the harmonica? You know, we have heard other people do this, but is that, you know, did you start beatboxing, you know, around then? Or it's part of your one-man show? Or um, I was playing around with beatboxing and then I was just trying to work out how to involve a harmonica at the same time. So I was just going, you know, doing the beat and then just going... <laughs> trying to get that nice tone of sucking just so you got a chord and just playing around with the rhythms going, wow, that's so cool. And just working on making the beat sound clearer and then making the, the sort of, you know, that sort of clap sort of sound and then keeping the harmonica nice, nice tone. So yeah. And then I was just playing around with lyrics and I wrote that song and went, oh, and that's a real fun song to play live because it's, you know, it's got great lyrics. Plus, it's just me and my harmonica, so it's so simple because it's just one microphone's all I need. And again, I think, you know, with the beatboxing and the and the rhythms and the percussions that obviously you've used, it really shows, doesn't it, that you knowing to play, you know, the guitar and the percussions, it, it really helped you, you know, with, and influence your harmonica playing a lot as well, yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I always tell people they should learn more than just one instrument because it all helps everything like if you learn percussion that's going to help all your instruments because guitar playing your right hand's all about you know rhythm and percussion so for me harmonica playing i'm beatboxing playing harmonica but then i can just go into these cool beatbox breakdowns it's just because i know the sound i'm after you can be quite free when you're doing a show and try new things and just surprise yourself. Yeah, and on the, on the Keep Life Simple and on a few other songs, you, you're not playing the harmonic on a rack or you're holding it in your hands, I think, on, on some songs, aren't you? For some songs, yeah. Yeah, I've got, got it in the rack for a lot because they're just live recordings, so I just plug everything in and just go for it. Yeah, no, a lot of them I've got, got in my hands. And, uh, and there's another song on this uh, Rise and Shine album called Superhero, which you released certainly on Spotify as a single, so um, another instrumental. So who's the superhero in this song? 
oh, so that's the instrumental, yeah, so Superhero. That was me just playing live in my studio and I recorded. I went, oh, that's a lovely song. But then I put lyrics to it. That's the one that's released later. So that's Superheroes. It's got the S at the end. Is the one with lyrics. So Superhero is like instrumental and Superheroes is the one with lyrics. And that's inspired from just when you see um, people in life that just bring you up and just make you feel just make you feel warm and you feel inspired to love life they're, they're like superheroes to me because they just make you want to really look after the world and look after friends look after yourself and just bring out just the most amazing parts of you and I find children do that to me a lot because they're just so playful you know everything they look at is just gold to them like it's so interesting and then they just will skip down the street you know they just floppy and just free so I just see all this stuff and, I, and then I just see people that hold on to a lot of stuff and they're tense and they're angry and it's like wow I just need that more that reflection of more superheroes like just people loving life and you know and that's great because it can bring people out of just going oh, I just don't want to be frustrated and angry anymore I just want to be like a kid again and it's only up to ourselves to do that so that's what that song was about just superheroes that's beautiful man yeah and obviously uh, you're enjoying life with the music and the, and life over there in Australia so yeah fantastic yeah so you do uh, you release another live album in, in 2020 with some of the songs from from the early album but some new ones as well Redcliffe that's uh, very chordal you know kind of playing big chords That's my son playing ukulele in the background for that. My, my boy, Rumi, because he used to come to the markets with me and just started playing ukulele for a few songs, and that was one of them. So he's featured on a couple of the songs. One's called Cloundra. So they're both markets that I, we used to play at. That's why we called the songs Cloundra and Redcliffe. We did YouTubes of them just recently, and they came out really well. You've got a couple on which are kind of more raunchy, hard, driving blues songs, The Line and... B-Love's off the Taking Time album, but then just when you play it live, it's different. Yeah, so when you record a studio album, it's always going to be a little bit different to what you do live. And I love to get a really dirty, swampy, bluesy sound on my lap slide guitar and then just a four-on-the-floor kick. And that's just all about just being yourself again, that song. So it's pretty funny because you got this really dirty, bluesy song, but it's all about just, yeah, like I said, it's being love, taking footsteps in your own time, yeah. And then you play, um, of course, throughout your albums, you play the uh, famous Australian song, Waltz and Matilda. It's got, it's got to be done. I take it that always goes down very well in Australia, does it? Yeah, it's really lovely. That's, I, I really like that melody. That's because I don't play any covers. I've never played any covers, and that was the only cover song I ever did. But I sort of made it my own sort of version because mm-hmm. I just really like that melody. I haven't played that for a long time, but it's really lovely. So we talked at the beginning, you know, through this. Obviously, you've you know you've had a lot of exposure on social media, you've had, had millions of views, and you know that must be uh, must be amazing to get that. Uh, I don't know if that ever turns into uh, actual ready money for you, but uh, at least it gets you the exposure. So, and recently, I think you've been looking at, you know, as you say, like creating videos that you can release on social media. That's something you've been, you know, sort of concentrating on, is it? Yeah, well, my son, he's been right into filming, and we just I have a studio downstairs, so. I painted the back wall black and we just 
got some good lights and he's got the good cameras. So we just, and I've got the studio down here, so we've just been playing around with plugging in and making songs and little clips. And and I was just over in Indonesia and in Bali just recently and we put a little road mic on and I was playing ukulele and harmonica just walking down this cool street. And just it's so fun. Yeah, people seem to really love it. It just goes so well on social media. I think, well, that's the other thing. I went to Germany and I played at a festival that I had played at there and my son, he got down to the front because it's quite busy. It was a really busy festival. It must have been three or 4,000 in the crowd. So they have all the photographers in the front row and he was there, you know, as part of the team. It's pretty fun for him. And, yeah, he captured this really cool clip and we posted that on the YouTube channel and that's that's gone really well too. So so you do make pretty good money on um, – you get a lot of views, but you just want it to be on your channels, not on other people's, <laughs> which most of my, you know, creative percent of my views are on um, different people's channels. But um, still, I've done really well out of it, so I'm pretty, very, very fortunate. And then there's a there's a really great video of you, your song Jamming, uh, which is on you know, it's on your album. But you, you've done a video where you're playing. It's kind of six of you playing the different instruments uh, <laughs> of your one man band. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun making that video because I had the idea in my head, and I had this old blues suit. My friend, he's just a really good filmer, and he had a wide screen. And I said, is it, is it possible to have six jazzies jamming together? And he goes, I don't know, but we'll work it out. And, and literally half a day we did it. I just had to imitate to myself and pretend that I knew where I was looking because it looks like I'm just looking at myself and, and all the dance moves at the end are all in sync. So I had to remember which beat to move left foot first and the right foot mm-hmm. just so it was all. <laughs> when he put it together, I was went, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that worked. That's been really popular, that one. That video is classic. Yeah, it looks great. And funnily enough, um, Tony Ayres, who is your fellow Australian, he also has produced some videos where he's got three of him playing, you know, three different harmonica points. So it's obviously an Australian thing to have you know, <laughs> multiple cells on the on the camera. Great. No, but yeah, that, that's a fantastic video. Yeah, and and you've got another one which is a live clip called the coolest harmonica solo. So this is just, you know, capturing some of that live show, yeah. Coolest harmonica solo, yeah. That's when I do the one-man band and I just ask the crowd, would you like to hear my coolest harmonica solo? And, of course, the crowd goes, yeah. And I always attempt to try and do the coolest harmonica solo I've ever done. That was the one that I was saying Rumi captured and that's done really well, like on YouTube. Yeah, is that the one in – was that the Germany one? Yeah, that was in Germany. Grolsch uh, Blues Festival, yeah. You've got a little section on your website, you know, put a link on where you've got kind of got some of these kind of produced videos as well, you know, they're kind of filming rather than live shows, haven't you? So taking time out, I think another one of those. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep, and as well as getting you some monetization, I guess this keeps your exposure up, keeps you getting uh, invited to festivals and things. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely gets out there. And, and just the amount of views, when you look at statistics, it's quite crazy. Like, it's just trying to keep up with the world of online because it seems like you can connect to the whole world these days. You've just got to know how to and just be consistent and just have quality, whatever it is that you do. Because um, it's like CDs have stopped, but, you know, you just got to go, okay, we go with the time. So now it's like you can create a song and not have to produce a 1,000 CDs and post them out and sell them. So in some ways that's pretty cool. You just got to get people listening to it, like on things like Spotify, iTunes which can be quite tricky, but when it works, I've got friends that make close to a million dollars a year, and it's like, wow, that's amazing. And, you know, it's just like from not even have to produce anything, so there's no 
like hard press stuff, which is less waste for the world. I suppose you could look at it that way. Yeah. So it's good. It's good things, and it's just like yeah, it's just trying to keep up with the times. It's it's, it's amazing world we're living in. That's for sure. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that. Yeah, exactly. That you know, because talked a lot on here about the kind of death of CD sales, and you know, and lots of. And in, in a way, obviously, the reduction in gigs as well. But it's good to see, you know, someone like yourself, you know, with social media. There's there's other ways, isn't there, to to progress and, and to make money and keep it going as a musician. It's great to see. Yeah, it, there is, you know, and I'm I'm fortunate because I make a living offline just now, and that's just it blows me away. It's like it gives me a lot of freedom to keep creating, and I never thought well, I dreamt that would happen. But um, just to be able to do that and just not have the stress of going out there and working it just gives me a lot of freedom to be creative and take the time to work on the next project so yeah there is ways like you just got to be clever with it all uh, another thing that you put together is a is a teaching course yeah so you've got a press play and blow away is the name of your uh, your teaching course which is a 67 lesson course yeah 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 that was that was a lot of fun making that because i just finished university so i was quite young but i'd been teaching for 10 years and I had just all these great tips and I thought, wow, why not put all my lessons, as many lessons I can fit onto a CD? And I think CDs went for 80 minutes back then. So it fits 67 lessons and it's just me teaching from the start, you know, how to breathe, how to, you know, make grooves using your tongue and then I'd put the guitar back in. So it was very much like having a lesson one-on-one with me, but I thought how awesome would it be to make this just like $20 CD where you You've got like six months worth of lessons and you can just learn. But anyway, that took off. That was so, so successful. I just put an MP3 now it's just so people can just download it for $15 and still have it. And yeah, it still trickles like along. And it's so nice to hear the feedback of people learn how to play harmonica. At one stage, there was truck drivers that loved it. We're like playing to each other on the CB radios. And this is the day when they were selling CDs, but lots of music stores used to sell them. And, um, one music store said, I don't know what's with your music, but all these truck drivers keep pulling up here. <laughs> so <laughs> it must have been one truck driver doing these cool harmonica licks. And all the truck drivers go, hey, do that. And he go, well, just go to this music shop and you grab this CD and it'll teach you how to do it. And oh, it's so funny. But I just love stories like that. So Wow, that's amazing. Isn't it? I'm not sure we've had anyone else who's sort of spread the harmonica through the, the truck driving community before. <laughs> 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 yeah. You've got Australian truck drivers all around the country uh, playing playing the harmonica. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, just hopefully they're not playing while they're driving, eh? <laughs> a question asked each time, Juzzies, if, uh, if you had 10 minutes to practice, what would you spend those 10 minutes doing? Quite often, most of my practice is just 10 minutes because sometimes you're so busy with life and those 10-minute moments are the best ever because you just go, it's all I've got, so I'm going to just go for it. So if there's a song I'm working on, I'll just sit down, plug everything in and just, just work on that one song as well as I can. Or I'll just sometimes listen to a song and get an idea and then just try and work out that because then it's like you're always learning something, something new. And if you learn something new, it just sort of just takes your music to different directions and different ideas and you never get stale. So you always feel like you're growing and um, it's just it's more exciting than ever if you just feel like you're growing musically yeah probably just set up my one-man band if i had 10 minutes and just go for it just play songs that i love and so we'll get into the last section now which is talking about gear but do you play any chromatic harmonica at all or any any other types of harmonica besides diatonic i remember the first song i ever tried to learn was rhapsody in blue by gershwin 
Oh yeah, that's a tricky one to, to take on oh, early on. Man, first song. It took me like six months because I notated all the notes like by my ear. I'd like to try and work out like ten notes a day. Now that song goes for like fifteen minutes. Far out. It took me so long, but it was really fascinating to try and work out all those notes and the trills and this is the Larry Adler version. Yeah, yeah, Larry Adler. So I had a chromatic, so I thought, why not learn that song, which was a pretty hard song to learn first off. <laughs> it certainly was. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I finally got it, but yeah, I couldn't do it now. So I don't really play so much chromatic, no, just because I have it in the rack a lot, the harmonica, and because and I'm so yeah. comfortable with just blues and the minor and the, the, just the diatonic harmonica. You know, something like a kind of bass harmonica might work with you. Have you ever considered anything like that? True. Yeah. Well, I've got the low tone harmonicas, but yeah. I haven't. Yeah, bass harmonica. It's interesting because I try and the more I have stuff, the less I want to have. For like when you go on the road, like when I was just in Bali, I just yeah. took a ukulele and a harmonica and just my little harmonica rack, and man, it was just the most inspiring time because this is all I had. I just had to make music, so I'd play a lot of my songs already new, but in different ways. So I could play it on ukulele and harmonica, and it was just so good. Those, some of those low-tone harmonicas, like I've got Sidels, they've got really good low-tone harmonicas. Love that. Yeah, as you're saying, you're playing with the rack, obviously playing the low-tone ones allows you to kind of get the bassy notes anyway, doesn't it? And bass harmonicas are big, you couldn't, you couldn't put those in a rack. Although Suzuki do this really cool one, which is like a chromatic bass harmonica, wow. um, which I'd love to get one, but I haven't got one yet. They're uh, Apparently they're really good, and you know, you sort of play them like, a, I think, a chromatic harmonica, but it's all bass notes, so yeah. If anything, I'll probably just do bass with my voice. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you can do drop the voice down an octave or... You could put the guitar down an octave and do the bass through that. I'd probably do that yeah. um, for ease of things, for my show that is anyway. But I have heard people do like the harmonica quartets and stuff are so good when they're all doing that. So you're using effects pedals quite a lot then obviously in your show and, and one of the things are you're talking about dropping down things an octave. You're using pedals to do that, are you? Yeah, I just use the one pedal now, but it just does my voice and my guitar. And then I use the same pedal for my harmonica just to get the, the guitar settings and get the dirty. The good thing with technology now is you can save presets. So if you've got a song and it sounds really good, you just save it. It's there for whenever you want to play it. So when you do a gig, you don't have to press all these buttons. You just go, that's that song. I just get the best compliments from sound guys because it makes their job so easy and the sound is phenomenal. So what is that pedal you're using for harmonica? Um, it's TC Helicon, but it's called a Voice Live 3 Extreme. They're a bit of a brain strain to get into and work it out, but once you understand it, it's just amazing. Yeah, like the possibilities of what you can do. You're using that pedal for guitar and voice, so it's the same pedal? Yeah, it's the same, yep, yep. And the good thing is they link together, so if you put the tempo in for the delay, it does it both for guitar and, hum- and vocals. And you can set up things like um, it's called a hit button. So that means if you hit it, it might go into a chorus part of the song. You might just double your voice or you might just add more distortion to your guitar for that part. So there's lots of cool things about it. Yeah, save, save you having to have lots of, because I see pizza with like racks of 
pedals and all this yeah. stuff. It's like, wow, man, there's a lot of real estate down there. I didn't think I could, you know, fit that all there. You must have enough setup as it is in a one-man band. Obviously, you've got your guitars. You, I mean, when you're playing, you know, live shows, I know you like to travel that. You know, you've got guitars, you've got your percussion, you've got your harmonica, you've got, mm-hmm. you've got your juggling balls. So you're already carrying a lot of stuff for your shows, yeah, so. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. And just to get the top quality, there's, you know, I work a lot of that just to work on my sound and just I probably spend more time doing that than I do playing, which is crazy but true because I just really – one that perfect sound because when you have that and you play live it's such an easy gig yeah so you spend a lot of time at home really sorting out your sounds and yeah crazy amount of time Mm. yeah cool and uh harmonica wise then i think you're a a sidal endorser yeah yeah i'm with sidal they're great i really like those guys so which of the harps do you like to play Um, i'm playing the classic 1847 and the noble the low tone ones yeah, and um, which of the 1847s are using the wooden combs or? Um... Yeah, yep, I think they're wooden, but um, or they're bamboo, one of the two. They're really, really well made. Like, I look at it and go far out. They just put a lot of work into making it just smooth and just the finish on those harmonicas just, yeah, just looks so pretty. I noticed on your website for your lessons, you're selling a harmonica through your website. You know, what harmonica is that? Yeah, so that's um, a no-name harmonica, but that's like the best one I could find because I just went through his harmonicas to try and find a good harmonica for people to learn how to play. And that actually sounds really good. So, And it's all in tune, so it's really nice to be able to give people a harmonica just to start off with that doesn't cost too much just to, and to know that it's easy to play and it's all in tune because I know a lot of people it's nothing worse than giving someone a bad harmonica to start off and so when, and when you're playing then um, obviously what your one-man show again do you do you use different tunings you know to fit with different songs or is it all standard Richter tune diatonics you're using I've never really gone down the minor harmonicas but it'd be pretty cool to do because I just I just play third position if I want minor yeah so your whole four is your root note inhaling so yeah i just like think of it like that so one harmonica can you know be three harmonicas in a way you've got straight harp you've got cross harp and then you've got the third position i do like first position for just a folky sort of stuff and if um i just want to get more melody just a simple sort of playing harmonica yeah most of it's mm-hmm. in second position that i play and do you have any particular favorite keys of harmonica that work, or does it just depend on the song? Oh, it depends on the song, but I do like low, like around the key of low F is a nice range because it's not too high, not too low, but and it's just really, yeah. that'd probably be my favorite key. Once you go above C, they get to be too high, but they're really good for playing fast and they're great for certain things. But then once you get below, like low, D, it's like they're real low, you know, but yeah. they're so good for certain things. I've got all sorts. Yeah, I've got a low A and it's it's so low. When you're playing with other people, it's hard for them to cut through. But I guess when you're playing in the one-man band, that's another advantage, isn't it? You can make sure that that beautiful low sounds come through. Yeah, so if I was playing low A, I wouldn't play with the band because it's just you need the band to drop right down. You could do that, like yeah. have a real drop-down part. So you play a normal A then bring them right down, drop down. So it's just like really quiet. But then you play in those really cool bluesy low-tone harmonica sounds. So that would be cool. And then as they bring up, you just go back to your normal A. That, that would work for me, yeah. Uh, do you use any overblows? Um, yeah, a little bit, but not too much, no. I've never really explored too much of that. What about your embouchure? You were uh, puckering, tongue blocking? Um, puckering, but then just on the tongue for the octave sort of things, yeah. 
So what about amplifier-wise and equipment? So you've talked about using a bullet mic on a rack. And I know, um, I think recently you're using the the, uh, the racket by Greg Guman, aren't you? Yeah, Greg's great. Wow, he makes such great harmonica mics. And I, I, I use one of his Ultimate 57s for singing through as well. Because I, I like these 57, Ultimate 57 so much, I end up buying three of them. Just so I'd always have a spare. So I've got one down my, my tambourine too now because um, I like it at the other volume knob on them. The Bulletini is so cool. I love that mic. And that's what I use for when I'm just playing harmonica, like a cool bluesy harmonica song because I do that now like because I have such a good blues sound that I can pull that out and just do a harmonica solo. Like I'm, I can loop stuff and make a cool groove and then I can just play harmonica over the top but just have just really good quality bluesy sound. So when you're playing on the rack now, you're, you're usually using the racket with the Bulletini mic, are you? Yeah, yeah. So I've got two Bulletinis, so one free so i can just play it and then one on the racket yeah so that's that's what he's made is the racket in version two farmer um sidel they've got the um the gecko rack they're really cool um i think that's one of the most amazing designs i've ever seen because it um you can adjust it in so many ways so that it just fits to your lips in the right position and the best thing about it is that you can just set it up so you lock it so once you find the spot that you like your harmonica to sit on the rack, you just have this little thing there where you just go, okay, that's the spot where it locks, and then you just can put it in the same spot. It won't ever slide out, or you know, some racks they can just fall down, and you just nearly break your neck trying to play harmonica, and then you have to stop your show to pull it up and twist it on and tighten it. Yeah, yeah. So that's really, really good. And so, what about amplifiers when you're playing harmonica? Are you using a tube amp to play some some more distorted sound, or is it? Well. All the amps are in my um, effects, so the sounds are so great these days that you, I don't even need an amp because it just goes straight into my computer. So you're getting your harmonica sound through the, through your TC Helicon yeah. pedal? Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, I've got all my sounds through there now. It's great. And again, with all the gear you're getting, all the instruments you're carrying around, obviously it helps if you don't have to lug around an amplifier as well, yeah, so uh, it makes a... Well, I can fit three guitars in one case now and then all my drum and stuff into another case, like box drums, so it's pretty cool. I can just get on an aeroplane and um, not have to pay a huge overweight fee, but it's taken ages to refine that, yeah. And so, uh, yes, it's a final question then. So um, what about your future plans? Well, you know, what are you working on now? You know, you got any uh, any tours coming up, any gigs? Um, I'm not booking anything at the moment because I'm just really enjoying being at home because my kids have probably only got a couple of years left living here. It's a really beautiful time just to be in the studio and hanging out with them. Great for me because I just feel like I'm just going to grow in the next two years musically. I can't wait to share that. And who knows, in two years' time, I might just organise a, just a world tour, just go for around the world for a year playing. I'll just see how I feel. But for the time being, I'm just going to work on more online projects and just set that up just so I know, you know, the rest of my life is sort of sorted so I can just do all the fun things around it. And, yeah, that's my plan, really. Just keep it pretty simple for the next two years. Sounds great. Well, I think we're all massively envious of your idyllic life over there on in Eastern Australia and uh, maybe inspiring us to do some of the same. So thanks so much for talking to me today, Josie Smith. Yeah, no worries, Neil. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks to Zydel for sponsoring the podcast and be sure to check out their great range of harmonicas and products at www.zydel1847.com or on Facebook or Instagram at Zydel Harmonicas. Thanks so much to Josie for joining me today. His joy for life is so infectious and it really shines through in his music. And thanks again for listening. Please check out harmonicahappyhour.com 
And if you wish to make a donation, that'd be much appreciated. I'll leave you with the audio from Juzzy's song Jamming. Be sure to check out the great video where he appears as a sextet.